of Jesus being born of a virgin, born in a very obscure location in Bethlehem, a small place, in a barn no less. And we're familiar with that line of the story. And oftentimes during this, especially this time of the year, we leave Jesus as a baby because we, we love the story of the baby, but often we leave him there as a baby, not recognizing his genuine identity. Who is he really? And so in Matthew chapter 1, let's remind ourselves today of the, of the birth of Christ. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, don't miss this. In this text, in the next one I will read, you will see the identity by name of who Jesus is, but also the why. And here it is, right here in this verse. His name is Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The reason in which Jesus came to this planet was to save people from their sins. He did not come just to perform miracles. No, the miracles revealed the Father. It revealed the fact that he was God because he was doing things only God can do. His purpose wasn't just to be a teacher, though he was a profound and excellent teacher in wisdom and skill of the scriptures. And not only a great teacher, but a great prophet and was exalted as such. But he was way more than that because this is Jesus. His name, Jesus, means Jehovah is salvation. He is the Savior that has come into the world and He is to save His people from their sin. That is the reason in which He came. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call His name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So here we see His identity again. His name is Jesus. He will be called Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. His name is Emmanuel, translated God with us. And so the very presence of God, which is really, it is incomprehensible that the Creator would come to His creation and knowing in advance that when Jesus came here, putting on the, the robe of flesh and humanity as He did, being still God but also totally human, with now being hungry and thirsty and tired for the first time, to not be worshipped by the angelic host in His presence. To actually be abused by mankind and ultimately be uh, falsely arrested. To be beaten and then to be crucified. That the Creator Himself would do that? Why? Because of the love of God for each one of us. Because God desires each of us to be with Him for all of eternity and is willing to do whatever it takes for that to be our reality. Verse 24 of this says, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took him, took who him, his wife, and did not know her until she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And Luke chapter 1 gives us another glimpse into his identity and purpose. Verse 30 of chapter Luke 1 says, Then the angel said to her, being Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, 
and bring forth a son and shall call his name, say it out loud, Jesus. Call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Not only is his name Jesus, not only Emmanuel, God with us, but his name is also a great name. Because there's no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. There's none. His name will be great, but he will also be called Son of the Highest. Recognizing that the highest being God the Father, He's the Son of the highest. He's the Lord God will give Him the throne, which means He's now the King. Only God can give this throne, so now we can refer to Him safely as King Jesus. All hail to the King. And He will reign forever over the house of Jacob, and His kingdom will be no end, because His kingdom is not just a physical kingdom where Jesus reigns literally as a king, but it's also a spiritual kingdom, and that's what we even experience now. That We are the people of God now spreading God's kingdom throughout the world as people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They enter into the spiritual kingdom of God. But we look forward and anticipate the day when our Lord Jesus Christ will come again. After Jesus resurrected from the grave, some days later, He ascended up into heaven. And as those were observing Him and were troubled by what they saw, the angels that were there said, well, why are you so troubled at what you're seeing here? Because this same one you've watched ascend up into heaven will also return back. And when Jesus comes back the next time, He comes back as the King. And He will put all enemies under His feet. And He will rule and reign on this planet for a thousand years. And we look forward and we anticipate that day. And we know that day's coming because the Word of God teaches us He is the King. Verse 34 said that Mary said to the angel, Well, how can this be since I do not know know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also... That Holy One is to be born will be called the Son of God. Another name. He is the Son of God. Well, how can this be? He is the Son of God because His lineage, though coming through the tribe of Jacob, David now being, we'll say, his adoptive father because David and Mary, Joseph, sorry, Joseph and Mary had not had a sexual relationship. That's why there was such a disturbance here because they were engaged to be married but had not been together. Now Mary comes out and says she's pregnant. Joseph knows that's impossible. Except for the fact that God, through the angel, explained. Mary is pregnant because the Holy Spirit of God has made her so. And so the seed of man, that sinful nature of seed of man did not pass to Jesus. If Jesus was born of the seed of Joseph, then he would have been born in sin just like you and me. But that's not what happened. The scripture said he was born of a virgin. It was the Spirit of God that made her pregnant, and therefore he is called the Son of God. Now here's what's something really cool. When you and I place our faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior, we declare him to be the Lord in our life. Our old man dies, is crucified with Christ. A new man is resurrected, is born again. And now this is incredibly powerful. John 1.12 says this, But as many as received him, to them gave he power 
to be the sons of God. So we fall in the same. He's the firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren, which means all of those who by faith trust in Jesus Christ are, are called sons of God because we're, we're birthed into his family and now we're adopted by the Father himself into the family of God. Jesus, as we all know, during his lifetime performed countless miracles with the purpose of revealing the Father. They were never to make a show for himself. It was always to reveal the Father and to know that the Father had sent him. And so after all the miracles, all of the messaging, it was time for him to be crucified because he came with the purpose. He came to save his people from their sin because it's our sin that separates us from God. There was no alternative. There was no plan B option. Jesus needed to be crucified. And when Jesus was crucified, going to the cross sinless, he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus gave his life a ransom for many. But Jesus also did not stay in the grave. It is important to our remembrance and important to our, our salvation and understanding today that our Lord Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave. Romans chapter 1 verse 4 says that He's declared to be the Son of God. Remember we learned that's one of His names. He's the Son of God with power. How is that possible? According to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. What is it that revealed and declared without question Jesus Christ is the Son of God is when He resurrected from the, from the grave. And that resurrection is what gives us hope. The blessed hope that we talk about, it's what brings to us this, this eternal hope that is described often in Christmas and uh, as, as this great word that's supposed to bring peace to our souls as well. Why? Because if Jesus resurrected from the grave, he has now conquered sin by being sinless. And he died on the cross to pay our sin debt. So he conquered that. Jesus conquered the grave because he resurrected from it three days later and is alive forevermore. And because he lives, I live. And remember, that was the purpose in which he came is that the Father sent his Son out of the great love of the Father. He has sent his Son that we might live through him. So with the promise and hope of eternal life in Christ, man, I don't know how much greater peace and joy and hope can be settled into the soul than that. But how does this transaction happen? Jesus did his part already. 2,000 years ago when God himself came to this planet and gave his life for us, your sin debt has already been paid. The plan of forgiveness has already been made available to you. But remember what the scripture said in John 1.12. But as many as received him, the gift has been given. Has it been received? To receive it is to believe it. There's not something that you do. There's no special exercise, a religious maneuver that you must perform. No. It is by faith alone that we trust the Lord Jesus Christ, believing in his name. That that name Jesus, He is who He says He is. That He is the Son of God. He is the Great One. He is the Son of the Highest. He's the Savior. He is Jehovah is salvation. Believing that is true. 
but also believing in what he has done. That's why Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says this, that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, I'm declaring he's the Lord. He is God. There is none other. I'm forsaking all other things that have been exalted in my life as the Lord or as a God to now say that the Lord Jesus, he is my Lord. I now declare my allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ, openly identifying with Jesus. When I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart, what? That God raised him from the dead. Because that is what declared him, remember, to be the Son of God with power. So when I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ resurrecting from the dead, I'm also believing that he died to pay my sin debt. And so by believing that, what does the scripture say? I'm saved. I shall be saved. Which was the very purpose for why Jesus came, is to save his people from their sins. And so how did that become a reality? God did his part to pay my sin debt. The question is, have I received that great gift of God, the salvation of my soul through Jesus Christ the Lord? The scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is not just for the elite. No, this is for whoever calls on the name of the Lord. You know, this morning, I think it's so important for us to remember Remember why Christmas. Remember the who. But Christmas and the celebration of the birth of Christ simply was leading to the salvation of Jesus' ultimate death, burial, and resurrection. You think about the realities of, in just a moment, we're going to observe the Lord's table. The fact that God himself would come to this planet is hard to wrap our head around sometimes. The fact that God would commune and abide together with people and in the most humble way possible. But then God himself sat at a table with 12 men, one of which he knew was a betrayer. But he sat down and had dinner with 12 men knowing that in just a short time he would be let off to be crucified to pay the sin debt not only for every man at that table but for all of humanity and so here's the powerful part of this is today as we observe the Lord's table we do the same we are sitting down with the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord's table is for us to remember remember our Lord remember what he has done for us As we eat bread and drink juice, it's to remind us of the body that was broken for us, the blood that was spilled, that our salvation has been paid in full by the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, as we go in just a moment to get these elements, and I'll give you instruction for that, but are you prepared to sit at the table with Jesus? The scripture teaches us that as we sit down at this table, we are to examine our lives before the Lord. It is a time for me to consider, why did Jesus die for me? Because I'm a sinner. And so I'm a sinner by practice, so I want to examine my life before the Lord. And this is a time for me to to get things right between me and Jesus. We're sitting at the table together. But it's also powerful because it teaches me in Scripture, and I'll read it to you in a moment, 1 Corinthians 11, that when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do show the Lord's death until He comes. 
What does that mean to show it? It means to proclaim it. I'm openly identifying myself with the Lord Jesus Christ today by eating this bread and drinking this juice. And so today, without question in your heart, if you say, Lord Jesus, I know I trust you as my Savior. And today, I, I know I am forgiven. And I sit down with you at your table to remember what you have done for me to pay my debt that I might have life. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Corinth and reminding the church the importance of what we're about to do of gathering around this table and the manner in which we do it. The purpose is, as Jesus instituted for the church, was to remember. Boy, isn't it easy how quickly we forget. When things go sideways in life, isn't it easy to forget how powerful our God is? We forget we've been forgiven of our sin. We forget the cost of sin, so we become very casual about it. We forget about the sovereignty of God and the plans and purposes of God. We forget of the vast love of God that He would give His own Son for us. And so the Apostle Paul wrote this, and he said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as, you, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. What we just did together is powerful because it causes us to remember but it also accomplishes several things as well because it also is a proclamation. This morning as you openly identified yourself with Christ by eating the bread, remembering his broken body and drinking the juice to remind you of the blood of Christ, you're making a proclamation and openly identifying yourself as a Christ follower. This is very important for us together, but this is something that you take outside of these four walls as much as we would openly identify with Christ at his table, is to openly identify with Christ in community. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We anticipate the return of the Lord, and until he comes back, we want to be faithful servants of God to continue to praise God and worship God, serve God all over the globe and proclaim the goodness and the gospel of God the message that we just shared with you this morning. In fact, as you came in today, we gave you a gospel card that's the plan of salvation that we pray that if today is the day that maybe you follow along that card and at the end of, of seeing the verses and seeing and understanding who is Jesus, that today would be the day in your life you would receive the great gift of salvation. But if you've already received Christ, you're the messenger of Christ. You've gotten the best news of all, the best gift ever. And that's eternal life in Christ. And so we would encourage you today to take that card and give that to someone else. And I can assure you we can print more and keep supplying them. 
You just keep passing that out and giving an understanding of this is the hope and the life that I have is in Jesus Christ, my Savior. Guys, we don't serve a, just a baby. We remember a baby. We certainly do not serve a God who is dead. Our God is alive. But if you remember what was said, He's the King. And so I invite you to stand to your feet and let's sing all hail King Jesus. He is the King. If you would, go ahead and get out your candle at this time. You know, one of the things that Jesus did is taught things in metaphors and things that were simple that we could all understand. You think about the remembrance of his body and blood. He gave us the remembrance through bread and juice. He taught the disciples through so many simple things, whether it was a field or whether it was water or whether it was bread and fish. But one of the things he also used to teach was the powerful word of light because he is the light of the world. In fact, using a candle as an example to the ministry that we would have as followers of him because he being the light of the world and now his Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us as a Christ father, we become then this light of the world as well, walking as children of light. Jesus in his great sermon said to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And he described the fact that why would someone bother to take a candle and light it and then cover it with a bushel where it would be covered up and no one could see the light? That makes no sense. And so to let your light shine where all can see it. Candlelight is, I love the quietness of it. I love the beauty of it. But I love the symbolism of it as well because it, it always just begins with one and has such a great multiplying effect. We're going to sing Silent Night in just a moment. You know, something about that song that I appreciate as well, just the history. Not just when it was written, but how it's been carried out through the ages. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the truce of 1914, World War I and just five months into the war, the German and British troops were in heated battle. But it was Christmas Eve. And though the Pope had requested a truce, and it was rejected, the men, the soldiers on their own, established a truce that night and began to sing. It gives you just a glimpse into the power of the season in which we're in, which is why you have all the opportunity to proclaim the great news of Jesus. But even the reverence in the midst of war and conflict to call time out and sing unto the Lord. And that night the men began to sing and pretty soon both of the troops from opposing sides were singing aloud. And even the next day, one came out of the trench and in the tongue of the other, screamed Merry Christmas, and it was noted he wasn't armed. And throughout Christmas Day, men sang, played soccer together even, recovered bodies of the battlefield, and oddly, within just days, re resumed back to fighting again. But there was power in singing these great songs in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. I invite you to sing together 
silent night. But then I'm going to ask you to be still as we will also hear O Holy Night in just a moment.